if you or someone that you know are in a violent or abusive relationship, we encourage you at Let's Fix Football to please call the Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network, RAIN. RAIN is the, lar- the nation's largest anti-sexual violence organization, um, and you can reach them at 1-800-656-HOPE, uh, or you can go online at www.rainrain.org. Trigger warning. The following program contains discussion and description of sexual violence that may be inappropriate for some listeners. Looking for these better days. Better days. Hey, better days. Got me thinking about better days. Better days, better days, better days. Time to question our lifestyle, look how we live Smoking weed like it ain't no thing So even kids wanna try now Then lie down and get ran through Nobody watches them clocking the evil man do Faced with the demons addicted to hearing victims screaming Guess we was evil since birth, product of cursed seamless Cause even our birthdays is cursed days A born thug in the first place, the worst ways I love to see the block in peace with no more Hello and welcome, it's your Let's Fix Football uh, this is your host, Gabe Lezra, um, and joining me today uh, is a good friend of mine, uh, law school classmate, lawyer up in Vermont, Chloe White. Um, Chloe is from uh, Kansas City, which has a very, very good soccer team in both men's and women's uh, uh, soccer in this country. And uh, yeah, Chloe, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on. Oh, thanks for having me. Uh, so, Chloe, I know you don't actually follow soccer, really, but... I do think it's pretty cool that uh, the Women's World Cup this summer is going to be in France, in uh, yes. in your mom's home country. My mom's home country. Woo-woo. <laughs> Allez, les bleus. Are they yeah. even in it? They could, they, could do a, they could do a double, right? Win the World Cup for the Men's World Cup and then the Women's World Cup. They're pretty dope. That'd be amazing. Oh, my gosh. There would uh, be... <laughs> I don't actually know how much the celebration would get out of hand, but, <laughs> get but pretty out of hand. <laughs> I mean, uh, so Chloe, you're here to join me. I mean, and instead of like everyone's hearing me laughing, but <laughs> this topic uh, is one that I promised that everyone that I would uh, we would talk about on the show. Um, and Logan is also here. Um, also angry. We, yes, as we all are. Um, and we, so I want to do this topic, and I really want to talk about this with the kind of gravity and the depth and the kind of thought it deserves. Um, this is your show, ladies and gentlemen, about the Cristiano Ronaldo rape allegations. Um, so, Chloe, I know you don't follow soccer that much, but had you ever heard of Cristiano Ronaldo before I sent you these <laughs> different things to read? Oh, of course. Of okay. course. And I think that's. Uh... Um, you know, I don't know if that's a thing that every American would say, every American, average American, who's maybe not a uh, soccer football fan. Um, and I don't know whether it's my, you know, European heritage or just my knowledge news, but yeah, of course, I I think it even might be, you know, just that one terrible statue of him. Oh my God. Yeah. The classic. Right. I think even there, like people might remember from like an SNL or something, but of course, (laughs) I mean, I think. He's, he's recognizable, I would think, to almost which, almost anyone. Which speaks to his 
the kind of power of his global brand, this this huge mega, you know, corporation, corporate entity, basically, that's that's grown up behind this guy, that he is, even to people in this country, and this country has got to be one of the countries in the world where people least follow this sport, uh, people still, even people who aren't fans, still sort of know who he is and probably would recognize the lit name at the very least, um, if not the face. So... When we when we try to talk about this, it's it's I think important to remember that there's almost no one in the entire world who has quite the kind of power uh, behind them, both financially and culturally, that this man has. And now, obviously, in the United States, it's probably a little less than, like, say, if he were to be in Brazil or in Spain or wherever. Um, but it's not that much less, and. It's so one of the one of the most amazing things about this case, Chloe. I think that I think we can uh, comfortably say is how impressive and how courageous um, Catherine Mayoraga was in coming forward, just given the massive amount of power that this man has behind him. Oh, absolutely, and I think you know I, I think that it is a. And especially the vitriol that she has received and that I'm sure she will continue to receive. Um, but absolutely. I mean, you, you look at these articles, you look everywhere and the massive amount of legal power he's got, the, the right. amount of power his sponsors have and, and you know, his sponsors will back him. Um, you know, I, I was reading uh, an article on Rewire News. Rewire does a lot of uh, their prime focus is reproductive rights. They also do a lot of women's news. Um, and these two journalists were talking about how they shopped around last year an article about uh, an article kind of talking about this. Uh, and uh, no, 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 uh, no outlet would take it except for Rewire News. Wow. Um, because, you know, because it's, I mean, it's so powerful. And I think, um, you know, especially in this era of Me Too, I think there's also the Me Too backlash. Um, yeah. And so getting that backlash, I think, is, I mean, it's it's very powerful for, for her to... Yeah. Or to come out. And what what that I mean, just that story about them not um, you know having had that article shopped around. I mean, what what that says to me is you know, and on top of that, I mean, this reporting was all from the um, really fantastic crack reporting team at the German newspaper Der Spiegel. But what what really amazes me about that, and you know, if other newspapers had the chance with this and then sort of passed on it, is that Der Spiegel decided to go to run this story and to, to do the, the legwork that was required to go to Vegas and to make these records requests and then wait out the period of time that it takes before you can get, you know, your, your requests processed and all that and, and really decided to, to lean into this. But Der Spiegel is actually not protected in the same way that American uh, news entities are by our first amendment. Der Spiegel follows okay. like has a different and lower bar for libel and defamation. So it was that's what's on top of all of it. That's what makes this fascinating to me, at least in from from this perspective. Oh, absolutely. And I don't know, Gabe, if, if someone has if they've initiated if, if Ronaldo's people have initiated any sort of suit against Der Spiegel. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know if you've told your listeners about the different bars, but, you know, it's it's where the burden of proof falls about who's you know, whether you're telling the truth or whether you're lying or to prove whether someone is lying or prove whether someone's telling the truth. And 
um, they really seem to have done their homework and, yeah. you know, to every, to every uh, accusation or, or rebuttal that comes out from Ronaldo's people, they have, they have, you know, stood by their reporting and, and, and called out when they, uh, when, when they're saying, no, what you're saying is, you know, what you're saying that we're lying, but no, here you're completely right. erroneous. And I think that's, that's great reporting. Yeah, it, it, it is. And it's incredibly courageous reporting. And it's also, I mean, on top of all of that, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, the, the, just the, the, the courage I think that it takes to, to do this and to, to work with, with, with Catherine and, and, and to tell her story and to tell her story in a way that, you know, insulates and, 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 them in, in, you know, under this, this libel process. So no, they haven't sued. And I'm not a hundred percent sure Ronaldo will sue because frankly, Chloe, and, and this is, I think where I wanted to go next. This, this case has some of the most evidence just, uh, I've ever seen in a, in one of these accusations, they have, you know, all incredible, just volumes of evidence here. And it's one of the reasons why, uh, why this is such an insane story and, and amazing that it took this long was simply the volumes, the reams of evidence that they have in the case. I mean, it's one of those things where, um, uh, uh, and so, but before, before I got to this, this is what I remembered I wanted to say. One of the things that I wanted to say that's been coming up a lot recently, I wanted to ask you, and I just, when people say, well, there's no evidence can you take someone's testimonial as evidence in court? Of course you can. I mean, of course te- you, can. you know, testimony is evidence. And well, I do, I, I do want to say for your listeners, you know, uh, there is, I, I think, you know, this is kind of implied that you're doing a, a, you know, you're doing a whole episode on this, but there is, you know, a, a trigger warning, you know, and, you know, we may say things that, that are upsetting that there are documents from this case that are very upsetting. I, I think one, you know, this case, I mean, this woman did, you know, every time someone accuses someone, you're going to say, well, why didn't you go to the police? She went to the police. Why didn't you go to the hospital? She went to the hospital. I mean, she did everything that you're supposed to do. And I say that with, with many air quotes around supposed to do. Um, and you're still going to get the kind of vitriol and, and, you know, you know, she was dancing with him. So it must've been consensual and, you know, all these different things. Um, but yes, the, the reams of evidence is, um, it's amazing. I mean, there are hospital reports, there are, are, uh, you know, police reports, 911 calls, settlement documents, uh, with his signature on them. Right. And, and her, uh, her friend is also testified that she has been like that, that, that she came out weeping and that she, the friend confronted Ronaldo. I mean, the, the the fact is that when we uh, when we talk about these cases, it's extre- extremely rare that I mean the the re- like the fact that people are trying to dismiss what she's saying, and the fact that people in this case, with all of this evidence, have still decided that they're going to try to dismiss her, that they're going to say that she's lying, that they're saying that she's pursuing fame or some amount of money. <laughs> it, it shows it goes to the root of what these people what what the actual it it does kind of pull the mask off because the people in let's say some of the other cases that we've seen recently i don't want to you know get into any political trouble <laughs> but people will always say well she didn't tell anyone about it she didn't do any xyz thing but 
in the, if if in this case these same these same people are still spouting off about how she's trying to score a quick buck when you have this much evidence it it does rip this mask off and at the at base what they're saying is well he says it doesn't happen therefore it didn't happen and that's good enough this guy this you know greek god who i've i i i feel like i have this personal connection with and i care about and whatever is saying it then i i refuse to believe that this has happened even when we have all of this evidence it does put the lie i think a little bit to the kind of traditional and 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 you know conservative claims that well there just isn't enough evidence to decide. I mean, how could we ever know? I, I think you're exactly right. And, you know, I, I think a lot of people have have expressed, um, I think, uh, have questioned, you know, the, the mantras of believe women or believe survivors. And I think what we, what a lot of it is saying is, is don't, what that means is don't just take their story and say, well, that's it, that's right. She, you know, it, that's exactly what happened. Lock them up, no due process. What we're saying is, is there's just been a long tradition of of thinking that women are are lying, of always of the scales really not being balanced at all, and of thinking that women, uh, you know, but it's it's just thinking that right. that women are are untrustworthy. Right. When um. A, yeah. And so a, I think yeah. here. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was just saying when a woman walks into a room, people automatically sort of, there's this, this people, she can't automatically be believed, but when a, you know, a tall, good looking man walks into a room, people are going to be, going to believe him. It's just uh, part of this entire process. So I was going to, interesting, I was going to ask you, like, to talk a little bit about why we say believe survivors. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, that's great. <laughs> well, no, I think it's good. I mean, look, that, Women are human beings, human beings, you know, we are fallible. They may sometimes lie, may make mistakes. But look, the number of false accusers of rape, I mean, it's just, it's so small. It's so small. And I think what we're saying when you say believe survivors or believe women is, you know, start your, you know, don't start, you know, your investigations. Don't start your, your beliefs about the thing, always thinking that a woman is lying or that thinking that it's someone who says that they, are a survivor of abuse or rape or harassment or whatever that they are lying or that you know you know that they that they are not telling the truth that they're overwrought and I think that's that's another thing is that women are often overwrought and see things that aren't there um, you know the, the, the hysteria they're right. hysterical um, and I think this is you know it's not saying don't investigate it's saying you know what people hopefully in general are somewhat trustworthy is saying, you know, all right, believe women, believe that this person is, is believing what they're saying and, you know, take it from there. It doesn't mean don't verify. It means, right. you know, that, and I think especially in this case, look, um, one of the things you sent me was from 2017. That's where Der Spiegel started. That's right. right. There's yep. something. They, she didn't want to identify herself. Her friend didn't want to identify herself. They got her to identify herself this year. Um, and you know, are you seeing her, you know, people are saying, if they say, you know, she just wants fame, she wants a quick buck. One, she was already paid. Two, I mean, do you see her name everywhere in every newspaper now? Like, is she on Celebrity Big Brother or whatever? Not that there's anything wrong with that. But I mean, is she, you know, I, I think in one of the articles, she's now in hiding and now is living under an assumed right. name. This is not someone who is you know, uh, seems to be in it for a quick buck or for fame. And I think that, you know, saying that is just uh, someone, uh, uh, it's just horrifying to me. 
It really is. And uh, it's because it's such a to, to those of us who who see this and 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 see what you know she's going through it is ludicrous to think that anyone would come and make an accusation like this seeing that her life has been destroyed by it i mean it's it's ludicrous to think anyone would make this up, this kind of thing up even so, even in cases, and this is what you were saying earlier. Even in cases where it's not Cristiano Ronaldo, even in cases where it's just some guy uh, at a party uh, who who you kind of know from your high school class, and you're all at a kegger. That I mean, let's say he and his friend corner you in a room. Even when it's not, it's just quote unquote just that. Those types of allegations and making them. Right and and coming forward to tell tell your story and tell tell about what happened to you does not lead to good things even yeah. in even in these kind of smaller and and you know no name communities right where it's just like these the like people who come forward are courageous and 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 you know are courageous because there is no real gain from this there's no benefit here to you this is. All this is doing is saying, I believe that we should have some sort of accountability, that this happened to me, and I want to have, we have to listen to this as a society. And that's why it's so rare that people falsify these allegations, because there is simply no reason to do it. Mm-mm. Absolutely. What What is the gain? Um, you know, people are going to, you know, just think about like the kind of, uh, vitriol and the kind of, you know, uh, things that you would receive, uh, imagine if this were now, imagine if this were in Europe, like in Portugal, in Spain, uh, right. in, in Italy, like I'm not, I mean, this woman, she couldn't, she couldn't leave her, her, her apartment, her, her living system. It would be, it would be terrible. Yeah. And I mean, and, and even now it's, it's hard for her. And I think it's just, you can't, um, I mean, just just heaping these, right. you know, uh, these accusations on someone uh, with, and I, you know, evidence, you know, even even with these this amount of evidence, it's just it's an affront to me as as a human being. Right, she's in hiding in a country that doesn't care about this sport. That is how bad this is for her. I mean, it's. And yeah, sure, it speaks to Cristiano Ronaldo as a, as a global brand and the interests. Let's be clear: the interests that are that are splayed out, right? That that support him and are that require him not to lose his brand. Which you know, I, I don't know who I'm going to end up talking. With, but we're going to talk addresses later in the show about how uh, catastrophic this stuff is on a uh, on a marketing standpoint for the clubs that have bought in, and just to show like how much power this guy still holds, but. You know, one of the things that I think we we a lot of uh, sports media does when they talk about stuff like this, right? It's not just Cristiano Ronaldo; it's also you know any other player who you know Ben Roethlisberger, I, mm-hmm. you know Ray Rice, all these people. Like when sports media talks about this, and I consider this podcast part of sports media generally, even though it's a legal <laughs> and sports podcast. Uh, it they talk about it in a way that doesn't talk about how the pain that the woman is going through doesn't talk about uh her perspective at all and just moves from uh just moves directly to all of the other people that are affected by this but i think it's important to try to bring 
her, you know, bring the the suffering that she not just is going through now, but also went through on that night, and then the continuing trauma of having to relive that. Uh, we need to center that in the discussion, at least you know at the beginning. The first thing that anyone should talk about should be her and what she's going through and what she went through. So I was just wondering, you know. Uh, when when someone is sexually assaulted or 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 raped, as was the allegations here, because that, and let's not really beat around the bush. That's what what occurred. Uh, this allegedly. is not a, <laughs> allegedly. Right? I don't want to get sued. Right. Uh, <laughs> this is this is not a trauma that st- is just a one night thing. You get punched in the face, whatever the next day, like it sucks, and and maybe you don't go in that street very much. But if you a, a, a sexual assault, a trauma like this is not something that leaves you. No, no. I I mean, it's not. And I think, you know, I think in any case that's true. I think especially here where, you know, even though Ronaldo is not as the household name uh, in the United States that he is elsewhere, I mean, he's still in advertisements. He's still whatever. You might, you know, see his face wherever, which is, I think, traumatizing. But, you know, what, what she's taught, what, what, we've read in these articles, you know, uh, the PTSD and, you know, really just the, the inability to work and really function. Um, I mean, it, it's, it, you know, it, because it's, it's so much about power is really what rape is, is about, you know, uh, you know, it, it's about one person having, you know, claiming this power over someone else. Um, and so your power in, in, in that instance, you feel as if, or your, or it has been either way, has your powers been taken away from you, your, yourself, you are helpless, or you are unable to exert the power that you thought you had, because someone else is, is, is working to exert that power over you. And I think that that, that, that feeling of, of an inability to act or the inability to, to do what you want, and must just stay with you, I think, as, as a functioning human being to, to, to have that kind of hole where you were, um, where, where that power was, was briefly, you know, where you were briefly overpowered or, or what, or, you know, continuously overpowered. Um, I think it stays with you. And, 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 um, you know, it's, look, we, uh, we've seen PTSD in, in, um, in veterans coming back from war and, you know, they may only have had one or two instances of, of, you know, being in the middle of mortar fire or being, you know, uh, being or seeing action yet it stays with them. And I think it's the same thing here. This might be a momentary thing. It might be something that lasts for years, but I think it, it, it stays with you and, and things might trigger it, you know, um, someone leaning over you to help you with something that, you know, say bed, bath, beyond lifting something like that, you know, that might be the trigger that, that causes you to have a flashback, have an episode of PTSD. I mean, there's so many little things that can really hurt you and it stays with you. And I think, you know, that, that kind of physical damage is, is one thing to quantify, you know, when we're talking legally, when we're talking, you know, whatever, but I think emotional and mental damage is so much it's so much more difficult to quantify but it's also something that lasts so much right. can last so much longer and this is i mean and that that i think is a, a incredibly good point it's it's also why you know we 
do trigger warnings when we talk about stuff like this. Obviously, you all heard the the one that I put at the beginning of the show, but uh, it's also why the making fun and the the modern discourse about trigger warnings is such a offensive thing, and uh, the that that this is not this is a crime that uh, it's a crime that continues and and continues with you for your whole life. So if you're the person who who assaulted someone, it might be you're maybe able to feel as he said that well 99% of the time I'm good, but that 1% of the time I'm I'm not. You may be able to feel that, but that 1% of the time is actually governing someone else's life that it's it's you know it's that's 100 percent of the taking time people over it's right exactly it's it's every moment for the rest of this person's life that 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 you've now done and just that statement when when he gave that made it, i thought it was so clear what you know what what was happening which is like you know he was that that he doesn't see that he didn't understand that these are things that that are life ruining for someone else like yeah, you can be a great person, but that that one percent that that is enough to ruin people's lives and and many people's lives. Uh, you know, as as the the newest allegation, there's a there's been a second one, and people that act like this rarely only do it once. Uh, and I would expect just just I think that people should brace themselves. I would expect to see more of these in the future. Uh, I would also. Um, I also uh, I think it's very important um, and worthwhile to discuss the kind of response and the way that people have responded to some of this. We're going to talk a little bit about that with, with Ohm as well later in the show. But uh, I'm I'm interested, Chloe, to hear, you know, how 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 do you kind of take and, and think about the this as we, we discussed a little bit earlier this kind of rush to defend this guy. And, and we've seen it so many other times before. Um, I was just interested in, in, in your thoughts on, on how, how do we, I mean, as a society sort of try to get people to not act the way like this, the Catherine Mayoraga, her, um, I mean, she's, she's had her, her basically entire life ruined from this. Like, how do we get people to a place where we don't do this? What, what is the best way to approach this stuff? I'm trying to end um, these interviews, talking these chats, talking about where do we go from here and how do we, how do we move forward? Um, well, I, I, you know, I think idolization of anyone is always, uh, it's always going to bring you pain. Um, you know, uh, but, um, I think, um, you know, that's, I don't think that's something that that's really (laughs) easy to fix. Um, you know, I think it's, uh, where do we go from here? I think it's, look, people are going to want to try and separate Ronaldo, the soccer star, football star and Ronaldo, you know, this, this other guy say, well, what does this, what he does in his private life shouldn't have any bearing on the fact that he's really good at soccer, um, that he's really good. He's a really good player. Um, he's still my favorite player, you know, whatever, like that's, that's terrible, but look, he's so good. Um, I, I, I think it's, it's realizing that 
uh, I think I think one of the things to realize is that there hasn't been a reckoning. There hasn't been responsibility taken. And right. look, you look a lot of other soccer. Sorry, it's soccer. You look at other sports players. Like Ben Roethlisberger is still playing for the Steelers, right? I also don't follow American football. Um, yes, he's you know, the yes. Um, there, there are other players, uh, other people who have, you know, gone on and, and basically suffered no consequences from this. And that, that's problematic. And I think, you know, as a criminal justice reformer, it's, it's hard for me, uh, you know, as it's hard for me to say, you know, send that person to jail for years. And then as a human being, it's quite easy for me to say, send that human being to jail for years. Um, but I think, um, look, there, there's no reckoning. There's no responsibility taken. And, and when these things happen, you don't see a kind of, you don't see a reform. You don't see, you know, whether it is prison or not, or whether it's, you know, it's um, restorative justice in the form of, you know, donations to, to rain or other, other activities that uh, other places that support survivors that, that support healing, mm-hmm. whether it's a real reckoning of oneself, um, whether it's taking responsibility. And, and you don't see that. Um, you don't see that in a lot of these, these me too things, you know, Louis CK coming back and, and doing things <laughs> seller. Um, but where, where has the reckoning been? Where has, right. you know, where responsibility been taken? What kind of restorative justice has been achieved? And, and that's what you don't see. And so what I hope people take from this you know Ronaldo very good football player he does apparently a lot for for Portugal you know he loves he loves kids he has a kid from who knows where um you know I remember that um and he's you know he seems to be a loving father and I think that's difficult for people to divorce in their head right um but just as you know your next door neighbor your best friend whoever has a side that is terrible and a side that is good, so too does your idol. Um, and just as you would expect respons- taking of responsibility, you would expect atonement from these sorts of people in your life, so too must you expect that from your idol. And we don't see that. And that's, that is that's a great that's point. Right, Logan. And, uh, and I think it's, and it's, and I think as long as people are enabled, by their sponsors, by their football clubs, by, you know, their, their, the, you know, their national teams, by whomever, as long as they're buoyed by them. And as long as, you know, uh, sponsors continue to support them and, and it's, you know, they don't yeah. lose anything from it, then how, um, then that responsibility taking, it's going to be a long time coming. Right. Uh, Logan is very, very much in agreement. Uh, Chloe, uh, I just want to thank you for, for coming on, for taking the time to chat with me about this stuff. I, uh, I just want to um, end with a sort of hope that, you know, I, I, I think that that last point that you made is, I think, the like broader picture thing that we can ask and expect and hope for. And the, the way forward is the way forward of holding people in power to the same standards that you would hold your, you know, people who are close to you to. If, if, if one of your friends did something like this, you would be, I think, correct to, uh, 
expect that they would have some atonement and that they would pay their debt to society and to the person that they did this to, that they wronged. And as long as we pretend and and talk about how what what's actually and and turn these men and these people right because it's it's not just men but it's it's you know these people into victims uh that if we turn ronaldo into a victim if we turn the, oh look you know uh uh for example we i mean we just had this went through this with Brett Kavanaugh where everyone was talking about how he was the real victim and and well we've ruined this man's life as long as we have that discussion that discourse we're not moving forward and we have to center this on the people who were harmed and the people who had violence and, and acted upon them uh, and the people who really are the real victims. And, and as long as we, we do that, we will expect and ask of these men and of these people some sort of, some measure of atonement, some measure of, of justice. And I think that at the very least we can expect that and, and ask for that as a society. Um, um, for sure. Chloe, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Anytime. loser without directly calling him a loser <laughs> but, they, but they give the spoon to whoever's team is the worst for that season so like the galaxy have it right now because the galaxy lost like their last couple of games and beat us out for the wooden spoon last season and this season it's looking like the earthquakes are going to take it um, except they don't have a supporters group in the isc so it doesn't technically go to them but it does so i petitioned for the mls female tarnished fork award and that kind of went flat (laughs) (laughs) i like it whatever um okay so i am evan just if you're down um i'm i'm ready to hop into this thing yeah let's uh let's do it Okay, and just just FYI, this is going to be the second interview, so I'm I'm just going to be like, we're back. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, all right. Three, two, one. All right, and we're back. This is uh, Gabe Lesnar. I'm back. I'm here with um, my good friend Jess Howen, um, friend of the show. Jess, uh, welcome back. Welcome back. Um, it's great to have you back to talk about this and about your. Really fantastic article um, on Managing Madrid that that went up today uh, about um, your experiences and your experiences as a Real Madrid fan um, dealing with this and dealing with the response to the Cristiano Ronaldo allegations. Thanks for coming back on. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me. And obviously, Evan Matier is back. Um, Evan, thanks you know, for making it on to chat. Um, it's great yeah, to have absolutely. you here, too. Um, so... Jess, I was just wondering if you could um, talk to me a little bit about, you know, what kind of spurred you to write um, and, and, and what kind of motivated you to write about the uh, Cristiano Ronaldo situation and, and what your thought process was going into this article, which I, I can only imagine was very tough and, and, and complicated. Yeah, it was, it was definitely a hard article um, to write, especially reading through all the stats and stuff um, that went into it. 
Um, for me, part of it was, you know, reading, you know, Ohm's article over on Medium, you know, thinking about your guys' podcast from last season, talking about the um, the soccer team that had the issue with the, the younger kids. Um, and just thinking about how this is an entirely different perspective than really is going to be um, put out there in terms of... This, uh, in terms of the the story, right? Um, because everybody's going to see it as it's Ronaldo's side and it's you know her side, but nobody's going to stop and think about like, well, you know, what happens with how we respond? What happens when we just say these things without thinking because they're coming after my hero or you know whatever you know? Yeah, and 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 so your piece sort of focused on. Uh, and I think very interestingly focused on the way that you were responding and seeing uh, these responses from the fans that, as you were saying, were how do you know how do we square this vision of this player and 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 you know, ultimately because we've seen so much over the last few months or over the last month especially right. uh, of people kind of saying just kind of bunkering in. It's like, this is my team. And so I am obviously going to be, you know, on, on defending this guy to the death and like how, how, how you were dealing with, you know, engaging with that response and those types of responses. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. I totally just got sidetracked. No, that's fine. Are you kidding? Uh, no. <laughs> uh, and in, in, in particular, I was, um, I was interested in in how, I mean, whether you actually engaged with the, like these people or whether it was like as a mechanism sort of of self care. The best thing, at least, I totally understand. At least, and I've done it myself. Like the best thing is sort of to to check out and not try to engage with these these kind of like you're really horrifying people. And that's one of the reasons I think yeah. that your article talking about this stuff and also. Um, you know, talking about your own experiences is such a such an important and courageous thing to do. Yeah, I mean, I definitely checked out a lot. Um, none of the are you know none of the comments that I saw. I, I wanted to respond to every last one of them, but I knew that you know Twitter isn't exactly the forum to do that in a lot of ways because it's gets to the point where it's just a bunch of people screaming at each other for whatever reason and no one really hears anything, you know? Right. Um, and I, I've learned at this point, you know, through conversations I've had, you know, online that there are just some subjects that you kind of have to lay down and walk away from, um, because it's not going to, it's not going to do any good. Because they're going to stay their point, and that's going to be their point, and they're just not interested in discussion. Right. I mean, and that's kind of the nice part about putting out the article is that it, it allows me to, you know, get everything out there without somebody jumping down my throat when I'm like 140 characters in. And you know, you know what I think is what what kind of I guess depresses me about this topic is you know, your article. Like you said on Twitter, it's not a good place to respond to people like this because you they're they're not looking to be convinced at that point, and right. it, and it doesn't give you the space to actually you know actually make uh, a good argument. But in your article, you do have the space and you do make a good argument and you run through 
you know, some of the common responses of people who are, you know, who are questioning the accuser here and, and you'll pretty well eviscerate them and, and, and go through why, you know, they, they're, they're, they're nonsense. They, they, you, you can, you know, you don't have to convict Ronaldo on the base of the accusation, but you, you know, these responses like that, you know, she doesn't look like someone who would get raped or that, you know, you know, he wouldn't rape her. You know, these really ridiculous responses are just, uh, are just nonsense. You, you, you go through them. What's depressing to me is that I don't think that these people are looking to be convinced. I think that they really are just bunkered in, like Gabe said, to, uh, to just defend their idol. And, and it's just weird that, you know, I, I just, and you you mentioned when we were talking about the clubs with the problems with uh with sexual assault and the, the, of the kids last year, and at that time we talked about how complicated it can be to admit that something you love has been part of something terrible, um, yeah. and and find a new relationship with the club going forward or choose to move on and just not associate yourself with that anymore, depending on how they respond, and, and I guess. I guess this is similar in the in the sense that, you know, people rather than choosing to confront that Ronaldo who brought them a lot of joy, you know, was may have been part of something terrible, you know, could well have been part of something terrible. Uh, they're choosing just to ignore that possibility and come with whatever, whatever rationalization they can for for why he didn't do the terrible thing. Right. Which is sad. Makes me very sad. <laughs> It, it really is. I mean, it's, but it's kind of something we've seen, you know, across the gamut. I mean, when you look at how fiercely, you know, certain people are with def- defending um, the Supreme Court justice that just got put on, you know, how, you know, they're right. willing to call, you know, talk horrible things about, you know, Stormy Daniels and give the president a complete, um, pass, you know, it's just people are right. so rooted in their ideals, and especially if it's someone that has shaped their identity in some manner or is representative of something like that, they don't want to like have that shaking because it feels like a part of you is getting shaken. Yeah, I think yeah. Once you once you have some kind of investment in it, then like motivated reasoning kicks in, and and right. people aren't just kind of willing to to cut their losses. Um, but they, they, you know, they're really committed and they just double down. Right. And, and I think that's because at that point it stops being a, in some ways it stops being about, you know, the other person and starts becoming about, well, because I base part of my identity on this, you're now attacking me personally. That's a great you know? point. That's a great point. And one of the things that, you know, we also hear from these people is this this argument that, well, like we have to have all the facts, we have to, you know, give due process and all this stuff, and and that's been true yeah. in all the Kavanaugh hearings, the, the the all the stuff with Trump, all that junk. But when we say, uh, just when we say something like believe survivors, I mean, we don't mean throw these people in jail, right? What we mean right. is actually listen to the people and and act from a presumption that the 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 women and the men um and i'll i'll just say like like myself like i i actually was uh experienced sexual uh violence when i was in high school uh and it's a very hard thing to admit i think later in your life it's taken me a long time to kind of come to terms with that and when you say believe your victims, believe these people, what we mean is not 
throw everyone that the victims say is guilty in jail. What we mean is right. start from the presumption, right, that we're not lying when we say that we suffered these things. Right. I mean, and that's that's something I point out in the article is, you know, I at no point am I advocating for stopping the whole guilty until proven innocent. Like, that's not what I'm saying at all. You know, I'm just saying, listen, let's see, you know, don't come at it from, well, because we're going with your guilt, you're innocent until proven guilty. Oh, I totally butchered it again, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, but because we're not coming from the point of changing that you're innocent until proven guilty, you know, it's um, more of we need to stop coming at it as, you know, the victims are lying. Because that's, I mean, statistically, that's improbable, <laughs> you know. Well, it's not just improbable; it's wildly unlikely, right? Um, right. A, a, as you say, it's it's between you know two and ten percent, and most of the studies I've seen have suggested it's closer to the two percent range. Right. Uh, and if you consider what those numbers mean, it means that essentially no one who's coming forward, right, and saying yeah. these things is lying. And, and you not have- to mention that in this particular case, there's all sorts of other reasons to believe the accuser, right? So like this, there's there's police reports, there's you know there's corroborating evidence here, uh, right. there in, in the Der Spiegel article to give very strong reason to think that she's. You know, not making it up. So it's even, you know, it's even more unlikely, I think, than just the statistics would make out. That's true. Um, in in the, this case, in this case, it's and it's strange because in in many years of myself and and my friends following sexual violence issues, this is a this is a case that has everything that the um, the people that deny sexual like sexual violence happens. That this this case has all of those things. They say, why didn't she do X, Y, and Z? Well, in this case, she really did do X, Y, and Z, right? She went to the police. She had a rape get done. She did everything that, and she had a corroborating witness at the scene. Like every single thing that people say, well, why didn't she do that? She did actually do that, right? Right. And she did it in an incredibly quick manner as well. I mean, it's just, she was under this um, non-disclosure agreement, I guess, that, she wasn't able to say that, yes, I've done this because she wasn't able to say anything. Right. And part of the NDA that, that my understanding and, and, and what their Spiegel reported was that she didn't sign this NDA and, 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 you know, whatnot because she wanted to get tons of money. The main reason she signed it and the way that most victims really want and, and the, my understanding and, and, you know, what, what most victims really want is, an admission that what the person did was wrong and an apology. And Absolutely. what she got out of this was an admission that what he, about what he did, they don't want to be gaslighted and told, you know, this never happened and I'm denying everything that, that actually, that admission is what she got out of it. The, the, the money that she got as part of the NDA settlement is is not useful like that's not that's that that is barely probably covering all of the 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 ongoing trauma and medical uh uh expenses that she had to incur since since this uh, event happened yeah i mean undoubtedly i mean my my sessions when i worked with a counselor were at least you know 75 dollars out of my pocket that's not 
including what was billed to my insurance on a weekly basis. You know, that's, that adds up really quick. Yeah. That's a huge amount of money. Yeah. And that's just that side of it. You know, I didn't have to go to the extent of going, you know, going to the hospital or going through, you know, the, the medical, the medical side of it and, you know, kits and all that kind of stuff. So I can only imagine, you know, working in the medical field, how much that would have cost. Right. Not to mention, I mean, legal fees, like she probably didn't negotiate right. that NDA herself. I mean, there's a lot of extraneous costs here that, that, uh, that, that, you know, it's hard to add up and, 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 you know, who knows, you know, where, like, I think that, 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 you know, the point is that this, this wasn't probably a huge financial windfall for her. So to the extent that people yeah. are assuming that, you know, that was what this was, that was just a cash grab. Um, and, it, and if it was just a cash grab, why did she only agree to 375000 Yeah. Because it, I feel like she would have fought for a heck of a lot more money if that's what she was out for. It's a great point. Because what she really was out for was for him to admit what he did. I mean, yeah. I, I, I can't overstate to people how big of a deal that is, that, that you get that. You, you, because, I mean, you know, as, as I spoke with Chloe White earlier today, what, one of the big things about, uh, about, about these crimes is that they're crimes of power and you feel like your power is being removed from you, the agency in your body. And uh, when, you, when you have this happen to you, you – you feel like things that you thought were up and down are no longer up and down and getting this admission that, yeah, I was wrong. I did a bad thing actually does help you rewrite the ship, so to speak. Yeah, it does. I mean, there's like, I I don't know how to describe it other than it would be kind of like you get a breath of fresh air and you kind of get to breathe deeper than you have been when you're under the weight of, all of, of everything that comes out of um, going through sexual assault. And as you said, I mean, why would she willingly subject herself to this, right? Why would she right. do this? Like she is – so this happened in the United States, which admittedly is one of the countries in the world that has is least interested in football. Like this is just not – I mean it is – now and growing and becoming but in 2009 no one cared about this stuff and she herself in her Der Spiegel article talked about how she didn't really know who this was this is a country that didn't know who he was right like that's that's you know this happened in this in this country and you know it, it all goes into this idea that if she really wanted to milk this, she could have. She she would have done something very different, but she didn't, and she did this very quickly. And you know, and I think there's a flip side to that too, Gabe, which is that if there was nothing to this, if she just, you know, was if Ronaldo was just innocently in the same room with her, where everything was consensual or whatever. And, and she tried to go and make a big deal out of it just for a cash grab. Like, no lawyer worth their salt is going to pay out That's right. a claim like that without right. something. Yeah. Right. They're they're if, if there's nothing there, they're just going to say you can say what we want, and we'll go to the media and say what we want, and you know we'll see who they believe if that's really the case. Right. If there's really nothing there, but when right. you show up and you have a rape kit done, and you show up and you have corroborating witnesses, you know when you have all this other stuff, that's when a price tag gets attached to it from a legal perspective. Right. They that's when the claim. 
think it's value, you know, in the cold terms of, of how I, these lawsuits. I, I also just want to add that one of the things that I, I brought up with Chloe earlier, but that I want to bring up now is also that's true is that testimony of the person who got raped is evidence. So when people say that there is no evidence about XYZ thing happening, so let's just take the more recent example of the Kavanaugh hearings. People kept saying there was no evidence. Well, there is not just evidence. There's the testimony of the person. That is considered in most in, in every jurisdiction to be very important evidence that this happened, right? And right. sure, you, you're you looking – generally, you want to have other stuff that's true. But this is evidence. Like this is evidence that this happened is that this woman is willing to, you know – cause immeasurable pain and, and bring that on herself, right? That that she is, has already gone through this, you know, this long term and not just not, you know, and, and we'll deal with this in a second, but this long term pain, just just to say this, that is evidence itself. You know, just the other thing that really struck me about your article and, and actually probably what struck me the most was, you know, your your point about uh, how the responses that people put out there in Twitter so casually have a huge impact on other survivors and other victims in, you know, who, who they've reached. They've reached through right. Twitter or whatever else. Um, and, and, you know, I was just thinking about that in terms of what we were talking about before where, uh, you know, a lot of people – you know, they don't want to be convinced. They don't want to believe this about Ronaldo. I, I wonder if, if maybe there, you know, one good impact of your article could be maybe reaching some of those people and convincing them, like, even, look, even if you don't think Ronaldo did it, right? Even if you think right. that this is not, you know, that there's no water here, uh, you know, that, that it didn't happen and, and he's, and it's not fair and whatever, you know, you, you think that, you believe him. Maybe it will convince some people to at least think twice in how they express that, you know, when they go on Twitter, when they put that out there, Um, because there's a lot of different ways of making that point, Um, ways that are respectful to the accuser and respectful of the experiences of other survivors and then ways that, you know, discount it. Um, and, and I guess that that's hopefully what some people who, who even just don't buy it could maybe take out of it. You know, I I hope the same thing um, because it's I don't, it's just it's aggravating to look at those responses and just think you know no wonder nobody wants to come forward right you know especially if it's you know a, a bigger name person like oh, I I don't really have words to define just how defeated it makes me feel to read all of that crap all of that nonsense but you know what just as a note uplifting note i think i think it speak this shows how heroic and how courageous the women who have come out and said something are like the catherine myraga in doing this is standing up to what she knows is going to be this horrifying onslaught. And you know what? Instead of staying quiet and keeping this under her belt and continuing to live with this pain, right? Because sexual assault, people forget, is a 
is a crime that isn't just a momentary thing. It's a thing that carries years and years and a lifetime in many cases of repercussions and pain for the person that 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 is suffering, right? And she has Absolutely. decided to come out and and stand up and say, you know what, this is no more. No more of this. This is this is my voice and this is my story. And I refuse to suffer in silence anymore. And I think that's incredibly heroic and incredibly courageous. And it's and it's incredibly strong too, because I mean, you know, Lord knows what's coming at her. You know, we only see the Twitter side of it. Who knows what else is happening? You know, it's it's you know again, you know, back to the the article talking about how the ref was treated from the Juventus game, right. and if he's treated like that, what does that yeah. mean for her? Like this sport this is. Carries far, I mean, this carries far more weight than oh, this gave them a penalty kick that they now get to score a goal on, you know? Right. This sport is wildly vicious. Like, the fans are yeah. vicious. Yeah. I mean, earlier this year, my faith got mocked because I called it soccer and not football. I mean... Like, it's just ridiculous. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Um, so, Jess, this is... Uh, I, I wanted to end um, by... I think opening the discussion up and, and, and maybe talking a little bit about, you know, how we go from here, what the next steps sort of are. And we talked a little bit about this with Ohm and, and I talked a little bit about it with Chloe, but I'm, I'm, I really do think that that is, it, if anything, the way that I kind of keep myself focused and, and pointing forward is, is to think about the things that we can make better and, and, and the ways that we can progress forward. And so I'm just interested in, in, in what you think about how we can, as a fandom, as a sport, as a sports culture, how do we proceed? Like, like how do we proceed in the face of what very could well be uh, a soccer me too movement? And, you know, and how do we help nurture a sock and like create the world where it's okay for women who've been abused by and, and, and people who have been abused by these powerful people to come forward and say, yes, this happened to me too. And we need to have some accountability. I think, I think the first step is to take every last one of them off of a pedestal. I mean, we, yeah. we can't, we can't make idols of these guys because they're humans. And when you, know, you make it, an, idol, an idol of a human, you're just going to end up disappointed, no matter it, how good they are. Yeah, it's really interesting. So Ohm said pretty much exactly the same thing that that the first step is to um, is to stop idolizing them. And I'll just raise the same thing and see what you think that that I raised when he brought it up. Which I, I don't know. I'm not sure that within the context of sports, that's totally possible. Because so much about sports, what we like about sports is is the romance of sports, right? It's the conflict, right. it's the drama, and part of that romance is is the sports hero, right? The 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 player who becomes the the icon, the hero, the legend. Um, and I don't know, I don't know, I just personally don't know how you do that within the context of sports. Um, I, the way I've been thinking about it is I don't know if we can stop idolizing people, but we need to cu- culturally come to a place where we where we're more able to cut bait on those people when they turn out to not be what we idolized. But anyway, what I fascinated to hear what you think about that. Oh, geez. <laughs> <laughs> 
I, I don't know. I only I only bring it up because I was really interested because because Ohm said the exact same thing when, when he was talking about this. So it's interesting that it came up again. Chloe actually you know said what? the same thing too. Did she really? Wow. Okay, three for three. Jeez. <laughs> um, uh, well, how, I think the question is how do we preserve right the romance in sports right. while simultaneously understanding the humanity of the people that are our sports, you know, heroes. Right. I. I think you have to kind of take them with a grain of salt uh-huh. and, and kind of keep in mind that who they are, you know, on the pitch isn't necessarily who they are off the pitch. Um, and just kind of keep this, you know, and then not only not necessarily who they are off the pitch, but not necessarily who they are presented to you as through social media. Um, I think the social media thing's huge. I, I was just yeah. going to ask whether or not, like, you know, in a way we have more of a window into players' lives than we've ever had before through Twitter and Instagram. And then also just the um, incredible amount of coverage. This, you know, there's you know, it's not just yeah. 30 minutes on a Saturday night anymore. It's constant. There's always content being made. But right. in a lot of ways, we have less of an idea about these people because all of that is so curated. That it's not giving you an actual view of who this person is. It's giving you somebody's either their own curated message of who they want you to think they are, or a social media consultant or a media person's oh, view. Oh yeah, exactly. I mean, if you look at and you know, I'll, I'll bring up you know Marco Asensio. When you look at his personal his personal Instagram and all that, it very much presents this guy who's very you know family oriented, very you know, straight laced, like doesn't do anything wrong. Good kid kind of image, you know? And when he was in Miami, several videos came out of him taking shots, you know? And, and there were so many fan accounts that were just disturbed by this mm-hmm. because this isn't who Asensio has presented himself to be. And it's interesting when you watch the videos because he actually turns his back to the camera before taking the shots. Right. Yeah. He, he finds where the camera is. And turns around and takes a shot. So, I mean, that's that's the thing about social media is that it's so easy to present one way when you and I'm not and I am not saying that he is this way, but what I'm saying is that it's easy to present one way and, and be something different. You know, yeah. you look at the posts that Ronaldo has made in the wake of all this, and they're a little more family oriented now when before they were more here's my brand. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's all very interesting. The idea that, you know, you know, culturally we could maybe come to a place where, you know, we accept that, that we, we, that, you know, one thing happens on the field and we can celebrate that and we can still in a way, I think, and this is a different conversation we probably don't have time for. We can, you know, how, how we continue to celebrate what Ronaldo has done on the pitch in the past and, and while separating out, you know, who he is as a person and not lionizing him as an individual. Well, I actually think that's an important thing. To, and we don't probably have time tonight to do that. <laughs> but I, I do actually think that's something I, I want to address, Evan, in a future yeah. show. I just, I I mean, my, this, this is such a, like, it's such a, such an important and complicated uh, topic, not because I think the morality is complicated, but because I think that the way that we address it is is very important and and very complicated, and not uh, 
uh, and I think that what's really important is that to just bring it bring it all the way back is that we try our best to center in our discussions of these things the people who are actually you know having a hard time the people who are struggling the 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 actual victim right so Catherine Mayaraga in this case but also the people who are dealing with their hero you know being lost but also the people who are maybe forcing to relive their own trauma yeah uh, when they're talking about this stuff. And so in that, in that respect, Jess, I, I, I really thank you for coming on and talking to us about this. I know it couldn't have been a super easy article to write and couldn't have been super easy to come on here. Thank you so much for coming to chat with us. Um, I promise next time you're on, it's going to be a lot more lighthearted. It's going to be so much stupider the next time you come on. We oh yeah. <laughs> like, oh yeah. Really dumb. Two or something. <laughs> 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 Jess Allen, thank you so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. And we're back. This is your host, Gabe Lezer, again. Um, you just heard a uh, different interview. I think we're going to take the conversation in a slightly different direction now. Um, and welcome to the show. We're welcome to the show. Om Arvind, a friend of the show who has been on uh, to talk about a lot of other less serious stuff. Um, Om wrote a really fantastic article um, about how he was dealing and, and thinking about uh, how, how you kind of work with and think about uh your idol and your favorite player doing something that makes it hard to f- move on. And like it, that, that sort of breaks that trust that we have between us and, and the people that um, we care about when we watch this sport, because so Om, I'm just interested. This, this is a really personal thing for you. Um, why, what, what kind of spurs you to, to, to think about this stuff? So really like, to, to talk about like what immediately spurred it, because there was a lot of stuff that, that spurred me to write the article. It was it had to do with the Brett Kavanaugh hearings. Um, yeah. As I as I wrote in my article that that basically happened the day before Der Spiegel released the article, or at least the day before I saw the article. And, and right, like my position was this guy's a douche. Essentially, he's acting like an asshole. Um, I don't like him. You know, we should believe survivors. All of that very strong positions I was right. taking and I was kind of slapping down people who were saying I shouldn't talk about it so, like a very superior moral stance. And then I see this come up and I kind of had like a weak quote tweet of of the Der Spiegel, Der Spiegel article where I say, you know, we need to believe her because or, or at least I didn't even say we need to believe her. I said we need to take it seriously because, you know, women rarely lie about this, especially in, in situations like this where her life would essentially be ruined. And it just didn't sit, sit with me well because I didn't feel like my response was genuine. And I was mainly just saying that because I know the day before everyone had seen me take a a morally superior position. I just felt like I need to be consistent with that. Mm -hmm. And that, that didn't sit well with me. Right. Because I like to believe I take these stances, not because of how I appear to other people, but because I have strong moral beliefs that I believe in very, very deeply. And so I just felt like I needed to be honest about how I was viewing the situation. And 
honestly, this was a form of like self therapy for me. I know it was an article that that's public and everyone can see it, but the the way I best think through things is is to write articles, and it's because I'm a writer, and I just thought maybe this can help other people think through the situation in a helpful way, and even if it helps one person, I think I may have done something valuable, and then also. I publish it so people can tell me maybe I'm wrong yeah. to to have to have gone about it this way. Well, I mean, it's a, it's an incredibly intimate and um, uh, personal article, and that's what we would expect and what we would hope for in a situation like this when you're dealing with these things. Like, I, you know, obviously, you know, as as we've talked about already on the show, I uh, this is something that we we should as a society take very seriously, and that brushing it aside and pretending like it didn't happen or just trying to move on is actually actively negative and actively harms the people that uh, in our lives and people in uh, throughout the world that, that have dealt with stuff like this and tells them again over and over again, like they hear constantly, that their stories are not something that we find interesting. And so dealing with the kind of moral and, and, and personal uh, conflicts that, that you get, that, that you have when um, your favorite player and your th- these these people that you feel like you know, right? <laughs> That's what one of the things that really gets me about mm-hmm. uh, these this like this type of situation is when it's someone like Cristiano Ronaldo, who people feel like people feel like they have a very intimate relationship with sports players, right? They they mm-hmm. grow up watching them. This is like the person that you know in a lot of ways affects your development and your your life in a really significant way. So to to see this happen is almost like watching, you know, seeing your friend betray you, and and it's um, mm-hmm. obviously. I mean, we've talked about all the um, all the other stuff uh, and all the important angles and why it doesn't like this isn't the obviously the most important conversation with respect to this, but I do think it's an important conversation for for people who are trying to think through their own feelings on this. And because I think that a lot of people have this gut level feeling of anger and rejection when they see this stuff. Absolutely. They can't kind of process it in their minds. But, you know, I I, I think what struck me and what gets to the in the article and it's a line that gets to what Gabe's talking about here is you 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 have a line that's something on the lines of you know when the stakes got personal you folded or you felt like you folded you felt like you weren't reacting the same way because of how personal it was and I think the reason why the piece is so important is because um, it is a complicated process to think through you know how you deal with these accusations when they're kind of arm's length or when they're or when they're someone that you know you're predisposed not to like like a Brett Kavanaugh or something like that right Um, the the response shouldn't necessarily be different, but it, but it is obviously at an emotional level, it's different. So it was interesting to see you kind of work through the thought process of, of how you deal with, um, with like what Gabe said is, is kind of, you know, it feels like a personal betrayal. Yeah. And I, I think, well, I think the important thing, the lesson I've learned, and I think I knew this before, but it was just the case that Ronaldo had introduced me to the sport. So I couldn't stop is that you should never idolize public figures. It's just, I, I understand very deeply why why people do that, right? Especially when you're young, you're a teenager, you're looking for role models, you're looking for people to show you the way, you're looking for someone to build your identity around. Um, you want an infallible figure. And that's how these public figures are presented, especially sports figures, right? And especially Ronaldo, like this, you know, this Greek god, physical perfection. He's the ultimate professional. He He has a great argument for being the greatest of all time. 
this is something, someone that you want to look up to. And once you do, and once you start to build your identity around someone like this, so at least build your fandom around, around, around a singular person. Once you hear something negative about that person, it doesn't just threaten your view of that person, right? It threatens your entire fandom. It threatens your entire identity because you've decided to idolize this person. And so that creates a very complicated series of, of, of emotional reactions, which is what I went through on my article. But obviously the best way is to never idolize someone and always, I think you can appreciate, but always remember that humans are flawed and you never know, really know who people are. Yeah. I wonder, I, you know, what I was thinking about this, I, I was thinking about that, that same thing is, is how do you deal with, you know, idolization of, of people that then let you down. And I was thinking about, um, you know, something that I went through personally in my fandom of the Baltimore Ravens with Ray Rice, um, and his domestic violence incident. And, and that was something where, you know, you know, this was a guy who had helped my team win a Super Bowl. He was the, you know, center of the offense. And, and then, you know, we have this video, uh, you know, first there's a report, but then there's just straight up video of him, you know, punching a woman. Um, and it's just horrendous. And, and, and I, so I, I've gone through that before and I, and I was thinking about that after reading your article, like how do we get around the idealization that way there can be the separation so you can react the right way. And I think one of the problems is that what makes sports so fun and so attractive to so many people and deeper than just fun is kind of the romanticism of sports. And part of that is sort of, you know, making heroes out of players. That's part of the romance of sports is the is the star, the icon, the legend. Um, and it, it, I think that the, that's the contradiction is is how do you watch sports and enjoy that romanticism of the hero uh, like a Cristiano Ronaldo? You know, we're not talking about a second string player. We're talking about one of the greatest of all time. How, how do you fully enjoy that while at the same time keeping the emotional distance you need to hold that person accountable and not let them just get away with whatever. And it's yeah, that, it, it, sorry, go ahead. Um, yeah, I was going to say exactly right because sports players, especially the best ones, the greats are the closest thing that we have to real life superheroes. If you think about the, their athletic accomplishments, especially in sports like, like um, football, you know, basketball, um, American football and even in the in the Olympics, these guys are are doing things that you know no other human can, and that just it's it's a very easy path to idolization. So I think while I say the 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 best option right is to idolize no one, that's I think that's impossible. I yeah. think it's 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 against human nature, especially when you're young and it's just a natural developmental process. So while I think when you when you become an adult and you start to realize these things, you you can control the way you go about it. But if you're if you're younger and if you if you already idolize people and then a problem arises, I think the best way is to I think I think you accept the emotions that you're feeling, right? You can't control the instant gut reaction of anger, but you just let it flow over you and then you just have to sit back and evaluate what's important to you, right? Like I think for a while you accept, okay, I, I'm I'm painting, this is difficult, but then you realize what's important is not your pain, right? Like you have to realize what's more important is the pain of the victim. And as soon as I thought of it that way, right? Like, cause I was, it was, it was kind of a, it was kind of an article of self pity for a while. And then when I realized that, okay, I have this and a lot of people are feeling this, but what's clearly more important is the pain of a woman who's been sexually assaulted. And that's like three billion times more painful than what I'm experiencing now. And it puts into context my experience and tells me how I should deal with it. And also you have to have, I think, 
a strong understanding of what your ethical beliefs are, right? Yeah. And it, it's just something you have to work through. You have to be as honest with yourself as possible. I mean, maybe you won't. For a year, I wasn't, right? Like I said in the article that I knew about these allegations when they first came out, I didn't really say anything. I mean, I guess I, I don't want to say that's okay, but I understand it. The important thing is that there will be there will come a time when 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 you face a reckoning with yourself, and that's when you have to take the opportunity to be honest, and 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 fall on the right side of history. Yeah, uh, that's. I mean, I think that's a really you know poignant way to kind of. I mean, you obviously have a level of emotional and ethical intelligence that I think a lot of people. Ha- struggle to get to their entire lives. And I, one of the reasons that I was really interested in talking to you about this stuff is that I think that what you've done very well um, in this conversation and in that article is kind of a, a point to exactly what some of these, some of the people that I think we can agree are being pretty, <laughs> pretty terrible uh, mm-hmm. on in public, on social media, whatever, and what they might, might be going through. And frankly, like, yeah, we've. I think. It, I. I mean, obviously, we've. Um, it's much more important to talk about and think about the victim and and how she's feeling and, you know, her decision to come out. I actually think, obviously, we've you know, we've discussed is very courageous and, um, you know, very very admirable and and she's she really is a, a hero to get this this ball moving. Um, but I think it also is worth thinking about why some of the people who are reacting so badly react that way, right? Like what you know, what's going on in our in our heads and our and the heads in the society of our our young I think especially young men, but generally young people who are reacting in the way that they're reacting. And how can we go about uh talking to them and interacting with them so that we affect a larger kind of Systemic. I don't want to say systemic, but larger change, not not just in our um, in our, our individual circles, but also just generally. Like, how do you? How would you interact with these people? Like, what do you, what do you think is the best way to talk to someone and try to convince them not to? <laughs> I mean, this is the, co- the continual problem. But how do you how do you talk to someone and convince them not to not to do or say some of this stuff? Mm-hmm. So I think. Well, I think the first thing, right, is, is to understand is that. When you're working in like in, in in a particular like group or a fandom, it has to be people inside the fandom that that speak up and, and say something and take, you know, a contrary position because it's very easy to resist, you know, people who are critiquing from the outside, especially because a lot of the voices, you know, that, that are critiquing the situation and 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 I mean, I don't want—I don't want to say it delegitimizes their their what they're saying. It's just a fact. I think we may have lost home briefly. For them, because oh, because because um because you know Ronaldo's never a guy they liked, but it kind of creates the situation right where like Real Madrid fans can like. Or, or, or just Ronaldo fans in general can say, well, your opinion doesn't matter because you're on the other side of the aisle. You're biased. You, you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, right? So it's totally. important. It's a, it's important first of all for people inside the fan base to say something. I don't want to act like I'm some kind of hero here because I'm sure other people have spoken up before me. I mean, the credit goes to people like Shireen Ahmed, who, when the story first came out in 2017, she immediately said something. She went on the Double Pivot podcast, but. I think the first step is to speaking out, especially if you have a platform. I don't know, maybe write an article like I did exploring 
you know, your struggles and what you think is the right way to deal with it. Because I had tons of people afterwards tell me they felt the same way. They just didn't know how to phrase it. And I helped, I helped them phrase it in yeah. some way. And that was incredibly gratifying to hear. And then I've had people, lots of people actually, who have DM'd me on Twitter, who have a lot of disagreements with me, but I'm keeping, I'm keeping the, the, the dialogue open. I'm, I either, I'm discussing, like I, I discussed with you, Gabe, some legal questions people had. I'm just trying to get them to see where I'm coming from, why it would, it would be better to take the side of survivor in this instance. And I think that's what it is, right? You open the conversation by speaking inside your group. A lot of people will agree with you. A lot of people won't. And the people that don't but still want to talk to you, you hold on to that and just continue that discussion and hope that it goes somewhere. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm interested, uh, Evan, in, in your thoughts on this, because I think one of the things that we see a lot with this is that um, with, with cases like Mayoraga's, but also with, with cases kind of the broader Me Too movement, is that there has been a concerted effort by the people who uh, have acted um, and, and who have uh, uh, been pointed out by this and obviously this is not the only group of people like this there are a lot more people that that are probably worried about their their behavior in the past that are primed to not trust me too because and and not trust these 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 um these really courageous women because of um things that they may think that they have done in the past and so what we've seen is a concerted effort um to delegitimize some of these people and uh do you think that there is a lesson to take from because in, with with sports, you know, this, I think what Ohm says is perfectly clear to me, and I think it's it's correct, right? That the only people that are going to be able to convince Real Madrid or whoever fans that they need to to listen and and care are going to be people who are also Real Madrid fans and have those credentials because it's too easy to dismiss them otherwise. And I wonder if that's a lesson we can take with us into our politics and into our entertainment and stuff. Yeah, so I think that I think you're right about kind of you know, the way that in-group and out-group plays into this. And I think that that was just brutally on display with the Brett Kavanaugh hearings was the extent to which – uh, it quickly devolved into a tribal conflagration where, you know, most of the, you know, most of the support for Ford was coming from the left. Most of the defense of Kavanaugh was coming from the right. There was only a tiny bit of spillover between the two. And then it became really difficult for people to speak across that divide because there was no because there was no trust. Right. Um, right. Which I think is kind of what you're getting what what we get to on a very different level with kind of, you know, with with the fan tribes where for Real Madrid supporters to uh, who are skeptical of the claims or uh, or even, you know, just discredit them off, offhand. Um, you know, there's there, there's not the kind of trust and relationship if a you know if a Barca fan who usually is jabbing them and gonna you know, is gonna exploit any uh, you know they're gonna exploit anything they can to jab the other fan base and so there's there's not the kind of trust you need to have a productive dialogue which in some level is really stupid because it's sports and right. it, it's it's just dumb that that you that that would be a problem but I scrolling through the like Juventus Twitter feed where people are arguing about this. And it's, it's just painfully clear that that is playing into this a lot. Um, Mm -hmm. 
I, I think beyond just the kind of tribal separation, I think that there's there's different kinds of conversations to have with different kinds of people. I think that there's people who are reacting to the Ronaldo news from a place where they generally don't take seriously sexual assault accusations. Uh, they genuinely mm-hmm. they, they just they do not internalize how serious they are. They believe, you know, these are the types of people who believe that women are making up accusations to get paid out. Um, like there, there's that group of people and there's a certain kind of conversation to have with that group. Um, and then there's people who generally do take a, you know, I, I guess we call it a more progressive view, but that's a really weird way to put it. I think, <laughs> you know, that do take seriously sexual assault, but are in this case finding themselves, you know, stopping or pausing because of their relationship yeah. to Renato and the fact they idolized him. I think there's a different conversation to have with those people. That's a really yeah, good I, point. That, I mean, that's that's a perfect way to put it because I've been having lots of those conversations with those two groups of people, and I think for the first group that you mentioned, that in just in just in general, you know, they they they're just skeptical of of all accusations and they don't take it seriously. I think that's when it comes a responsibility if you're trying to discuss with them to understand sexual assault culture as a whole, to understand the information that goes into all of this, to consult many of the the tools that are available online free for journalists to discuss this kind of thing and 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 ensure that you're not necessarily you're you're giving that like kind of fan perspective right but also just educating in general as long as the other person is willing to listen and then for the people who like you said in a weird way evan to perhaps taking a more progressive view it's more about talking through like what what's going on personally and how you reckon with that. And I just think it's important, right, to always be aware of who you're talking to, where where they're coming from, how how much is this, this discussion worth? Can you really convince this person, if you think you can, then to be open, honest, well-educated about the subject? And I think just keep trying because that's really the only way uh, where, where we're going to be able to deal with this in an adequate manner. Yeah. Um, Om, thank you so much for coming on and talking about this stuff. Um, just uh, to, to close this out, I hope that this has been a useful um, and uh, useful and, and, and worthwhile show. We've tried to discuss this topic from a different number of different angles uh, and tried that's, you know, and tried to um, and really did try to treat it with the seriousness, but also just with the, you know, with the with all of the intellectual vigor and with the uh, emotional vigor that, that it requires and it deserves. These things are not trivial. <laughs> they are not, uh, you know, and they did. And, and the people that are going through this deserve our sympathy, our empathy and our compassion. Um, and uh, to, be a person who experiences something like a sexual assault and then has the, and, and not just that, but also from a seemingly untouchable famous person and then has the incredible, incredible strength of character to come out and talk about it and say, this is enough. This is not, I'm not allowing this to happen to any other people. This is, it's time. The time is up. So it's just these people really deserve it. I, I had someone I um when I tar- started talking about Mayuraga, I called her a hero, and I had people yelling at me about that. It's like she's suddenly a hero. Well, she is, and this is a heroic mm-hmm. and incredibly strong and amazing thing that she's doing. And if you don't think you know this is 
painful and, and, and tough for them, you should just imagine putting yourself in their shoes for once. And, you know, and if not just, you know, Mayuraga, but also uh, uh, Dr. Ford, who came in and spoke in front of the United States Senate about an attempted rape when she was younger and the power and, um, you know, just strength of character it takes to do stuff like this is, is a heroic, <laughs> it's amazing to watch. It's a heroic thing. And I'm getting like choked up because I'm so like, I'm a little overwhelmed by this stuff, but um, anyway, so Ohm, thank you again for coming on. Um, I do hope we did a good job with this topic. Obviously there, um, I really appreciate you coming on to talk about, because I, I sort of think the thought of this conversation is what, how do you go forward? How do we approach the people that really can't be or seemingly can't be approached? And I think that that's, that's at least what we've tried to begin a conversation on that today. Yep, I completely agree. Thanks for having me on guys. Um, it, it was a pleasure, pleasure to discuss this. I think you, you, you guys are doing a great thing having all these conversations and um, yeah, Thanks a lot for what you guys are doing. All right. We'll be back with a um, a little bit lighter um, uh, Let's Fix Football next week, everybody. Thank you all. Um, Evan, thanks for coming on. I'll talk to you next week. Yeah, man. Talk to you later. If you have an extra dollar to donate for this episode, it would be a personal favor to us, me, Evan, and the Let's Fix Football family. If you would please donate uh, your charity for this month to Rain. Uh, they take donations on their website, rainn.org. We don't share the same synonym, far back Been in it before internet had new acts Mimicking radios, nemesis made me whack My innocence limited, the experience lacked Ten of us with no tentative tactic that cracked The mind of a literate writer, but I did it in fact You admitted it once I submitted it, wrapped in plastic Remember scribbling, scratching, diligent sentences backwards Visiting freestyle ciphers for your reaction Now I can live in this stadium, pack it the fastest Gambling, Benjamin, benefit, sending in traffic, spinning women in cartwheels, linen fabric on fashion, winning in every decision. Kendrick is master that mastered it, isn't it? Lovely how menaces turn attraction, pivoting rappers, finishing fraction while writing blue magic. Thank God for rap. I would say it got me a plaque, but what's better than that? The fact it brought me back home. Know myself, I know morality, spirituality, good and bad health I know fatality, my haunt you I know everything, I know Compton I know street shit, I know shit that's conscious I know everything, I know lawyers, advertisement and sponsors I know wisdom, I know bad religion I know good karma, I know everything I know history, I know the universe works mentally I know the perks of bullshit, is it meant for me? I know everything, I know cars, clothes, hoes and money I know loyalty, I know respect I know those that's unreal, I know everything The highs, the lows, the groupies, the junkies I know if I'm generous at heart, I don't need recognition 
The way I'm rewarded, well, that's God's decision I know you know that line's for Compton School District Just give it to the kids, don't gossip about how it's distributed I know how people work I know the price of life, I'm knowing how much it's worth I know what I know and I know it well not to ever forget Until I realized I didn't know shit The day I came home Features, nappy afro, gap in the smile, hand me down sneakers, bounce through the crowd. Running number home, men and women that crossed them. Sun beaming on his BDBs, exhausted. Tossing footballs with his ashy black ankles. Breaking new laws, mama passed on home training. He looked at me and said, Kendrick, you do know my language. You just forgot because of what public schools had painted. Oh, I forgot, don't kill my vibe, that's right, you're famous. I used to watch your channel 5, TV was taken. But never mind, you're here right now, don't you mistake it, it's just a new trip Take a glimpse of your family ancestor, make a new list Of everything you thought was progress and that was bullshit I know your life is full of turmoil, you're spoiled by fantasies of who you are I feel bad for you, I can attempt to enlighten you without frightening you If you resist, I back off quick, go catch a flight or two But if you pick destiny, over rest in peace, then be an advocate Tell your homies especially to come back home Don't lie to me, I'm